It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 435 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd. We've got Locked On NBA with David Locke and a collection of other hosts from across the network making that a daily show. We've got weekly contributions from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick on that side. On the NFL side, we've got all those shows going strong as well, 32 Locked On NFL shows. We've got two Locked On Fantasy Football podcasts, Locked On NFL Daily across the network, the national show. Just so much stuff going on for you to check out. So make sure you're finding a show that you like. And if you find one that you want to support, if you find a host that you dig, make sure you find their corresponding show, their separate show on their own iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play feeds, and rate and review. It's very, very helpful for algorithms and uh, making us more visible and finding new listeners and all that good stuff. So thank you in advance for taking the amount of time, the very small amount of time it requires to do that on whatever platform it is that you use. All right, on today's show, it's just me going solo to talk about the Raptors beating the LA Clippers 123-99 in a wildly entertaining blowout win by blowout standards. This was uh, one of the more delightful ones you'll come across. And uh, some some stuff happened to this one, including Kyle Lowry not being dead, uh, despite many like, paranoid freakouts to the contrary. Kyle Lowry still pretty good at basketball, hasn't forgotten how to play, isn't over the hill, isn't bad all of a sudden. Uh, he had a great game. So we'll talk about Kyle. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, Serge Ibaka having another ridiculous game at Staples Center and some of the other stuff and notes that came out of last night's game. Everyone pretty much had a good game except for maybe C.J. Miles uh, and the garbage time guys were hit or miss or whatever. But everyone who played regular run in this game aside from Miles was damn good. And uh, we can kind of run through some box score, just sort of putting some guys and some performances and maybe taking some larger notes out of that. Uh, also, there's new jerseys out. The Raptors have a new, uh, it's called the Earned Jersey, which is easily the worst and dumbest name of all these Nike jerseys. Uh, there's this, like, I guess there's the city, the icon, the whatever the hell. They're all very lame, uh, but the earned jersey sounds the lamest, but it's actually a pretty good jersey compared to, I think, you know, I've kind of talked about how much I don't like the uh, current North jersey, the this year's city jersey. I kind of like this red one that they've put out a little bit better. So talk about that and just sort of what I wish we could see because there's still lots of things that are left to be desired with these ones. And we will wrap up and we'll also get to a Kawhi Leonard appreciation minute. Uh, he had some very good answers to some very dumb questions in LA yesterday, and I, I'm going to play those and it's, I'm, I'm going to laugh because it's great. Uh, but let's start with last night's game. The Raptors beat the Clippers, of course, 123-99. The Clippers, in fairness to them, were coming in on the second night of a back-to-back. They had played Phoenix the night before and went to overtime. I don't know how you go to overtime against Phoenix, but they did, and they ended up, uh, you know, having to travel from Phoenix to LA. The Raptors were waiting for them in Toronto, and the Raptors took it to them, really, from the beginning in this 
this one. The Raptors were up 36-23 after one, and the offense was extremely crisp. And maybe it's not exactly a surprise. Kawhi Leonard sat this game out. Uh, there was some sort of percolating news throughout the day that he had a, a sore hip aggravated against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, he did take one fall in that Bucks game that maybe we can sort of go back and point to. But, you know, the, the hip thing, I'm not sure how serious it is. This could have been a galaxy brain rest situation for him in L.A. Of course, Kawhi didn't play the other L.A. game this season uh, against the Lakers uh, after you know, tweaking his ankle against the Suns. He missed a couple games there, obviously. So I'm not sure how much to read into that being a, uh, you know, a, a scheduled rest day yesterday or just like an actual earnest injury. But he was out either way. And, you know, I think... The, the, I mean, there's all, all these reports coming out today. Brian Windhorst had a great piece for ESPN talking about the Clippers' pursuit of Kawhi Leonard. And, of course, this is going to be a topic of conversation. And as we'll get to in the Kawhi Leonard Appreciation Minute, the, the questions involved with some of this stuff are just insane. Um, but, yeah, it's the, the Raptors kept him out. Maybe it was a galaxy brain thing where they wanted to keep him away from the media exposure in what would be the hottest media event of his season, most likely. Or maybe he actually has an, a, a hip injury that is earnestly keeping him out. And maybe he misses the game tonight I don't know uh against the Warriors obviously he was so good against the Warriors last time I hope he plays and he didn't play the first night of this back-to-back so maybe he will be good to go but uh we'll we'll see I guess in a little bit a few hours time but as far as the game goes the, the people who actually played I thought the starting five in this game was fantastic and I mean the plus minus numbers speak for themselves Kyle Lowry plus 30 Pascal Siakam plus 29 uh, Danny Green, plus 34. Fred Van Vliet, plus 21. Serge Ibaka, plus 22. This lineup just blitzed the shit out of the Clippers the entire night. And they were just so crisp and fun. And like I was getting to there before I got derailed talking about Kawhi's free agency stuff, um, you know, there's not maybe that much of a, a surprise when the Raptors offense looks this crisp with, with Kawhi Leonard out because they kind of have to be, right? They're not getting the same sort of easy offense that Kawhi provides. And there aren't these little sort of forays in into these isolation tangents that the Raptors sometimes have when Kawhi's out there because, you know, you have to have Kawhi just sort of do his thing. This is what superstars do. This is the deal with the devil you make when you have a superstar on your team. You're going to, you know, forego some beautiful crisp ball movement and, you know, these like multi-pass possessions in lieu of getting that superstar his looks. And that's fine because the superstars get good at getting the buckets when he gets those looks. But without him and with Kyle Lowry obviously coming into this game struggling, it was a question to see what was going to happen with him. The Raptors just kind of whipped the ball around like goddamn 19 or 2015 level Atlanta Hawks. This was a, a wonderful first quarter for them. And, you know, Kyle Lowry had his seven assists, but Fred Van Vliet's 14 assists is maybe the part, the point to start here. Um, and like, I just thought this lineup with Fred and Lowry both in it and Lowry, you know, taking on the role of being the primary ball handler and then Fred just kind of being this like playmaking middleman where he's kind of orbiting around the play. And if things broke down for Kyle, whether he was trying to drive to the rim or he was trying to pull up or he got trapped or something like that. There was just Fred there, always there to get that outlet pass and then to sort of move the offense along in a really crisp and sharp way. And I think the one play that really stood out to me was uh, Kyle, I think, had a screen set for him uh, by, I want to say, Siak, or maybe he just drove a guy one-on-one with no need for a screen. Uh, it got a little bit uh, congested when he tried to get to the rim. He kicked it out to Fred over on the right wing, and then Fred just hammered a dart of a pass right into Jonas Valanciunas, who quickly went up with it and scored over Montrez Harrell. And that was just kind of indicative, I think, of what it looks like when Fred's on the court. Fred didn't have you know an amazing shooting night by any means. He was 2-5, of five, whatever. He didn't really look for his own shot. He was just kind of there as this 
extra, like I said, the middleman playmaking wise who would kind of shepherd things along if things broke down for Kyle Lowry. And, you know, Lowry, I bet, would get a ton of secondary assists in this game if you were counting those uh, on those Van Vliet. Like the hockey assists must have been like through the roof for Kyle. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. But uh, Fred, I think a lot of his assists came off of Lowry passes, if that makes any sense. Uh, so that, that looked really good in the lineup. Again, just like they were running all over the place. Kyle Lowry mentioned after the game in his post game, like, yeah, we got on them and we ran like we we sprinted on them early on. And it was very noticeable. I mean, there was a play where Pascal Siakam leaked out and Kyle found him from about half court with this beautiful bounce pass through traffic. And Siakam had the dunk. Um, they were kind of running all over. I mean, Kyle put up a couple threes real quick early in the shot clock. Uh, you had Danny Green, of course, doing his thing where he catches balls in the wing and jacks it up. He was 0-2 actually last night from three, but he was doing a, a good job of getting to the rim as well. He had one transition play where he took the ball himself the entire way and did like a beautiful spin move at, at the rim and scored on that. They were just getting out and, and just running it down the Clippers' throats and kind of putting the Clippers out of it and putting the Clippers way behind the eight ball with with already weary legs. Uh, and I thought that was a smart way for them to go about it. They weren't sort of grinding it down. They weren't really slow with their pace. They were just getting out there and just you know, and just screaming up and down the court, and that it worked really well for them. And they were playing excellent defense as well, and turning those defensive rebounds. I thought it was really noticeable in this game that the Raptors did an excellent job defensive rebounding. They gave up twelve offensive rebounds in this game. That feels high, and maybe a couple were, were like garbage time. It felt like the first quarter. Siakam in particular was doing a really good job of boxing out, and even when there were a couple offensive boards that were picked up by, say, Harrell or someone like that, they were really contesting those secondary looks, and and for the most part, I think, kind of avoided getting killed by second-chance points in those situations, and I just thought... The, the Raptors looked fantastic in that first quarter. A lot of that was, again, it was kind of a, a curious decision going into it because it was, okay, they're, they're, the, the, the Clippers are going to start marching Gortat with Danilo Gallinari and Tobias Harris and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They're going to be huge going out here. And the Raptors said, hey, like, we don't care. We're just going to go against this small unit. We're going to gang rebound. We're going to have, you know, a lot of times it was like a box, a box, a Baca blocking out for Siakam and helping, you know, sort of the, or whoever was there to kind of catch the lingering rebound. I thought they did a good job of that. And yeah, overall, it was just like a really good team rebounding performance when they were kind of up against it. So even when they gave up some offensive boards, it wasn't like all that, you know, terrifying or anything like that. Because like I said, they were getting in and sort of contesting those looks again uh, back up at the rim. And, you know, they were taking those boards, like I said, and just running all over the, the, the Clippers. They outscored the Clippers 28-4 in fast break points in this game. That's wild. That's uh, that's a very Raptors thing to do in a win, though, right? Like, there's if the Raptors are blowing a team out, it's probably because they're turning their defense or they're turning their defensive rebounding into quick offense at the other end just because they're so quick, whether it's with, you know, getting it up to Danny Green for wing threes or whether it's Kyle pulling up in transition when he's at his best or whether it's just, like, hucking it up to Siakam and saying, all right, fast person, go dunk. They were doing that really well last night. Um, and then the bench came in, and I thought the bench was fantastic as well. Uh, in, in particular, Jonas Valanciunas, who came in, and this has been a thing, right? Over the course of Montrez Harrell's career, he has absolutely punked the Raptors. Going into last night's game, Harrell was 30 of 38 from the field against the Raptors, averaging about 14.5 points a game against Toronto over five games, the second highest total against any team for him in his career. And the Raptors did a good job of just kind of keeping him at bay and not letting him just be a terror on the offensive glass. He had zero offensive rebounds last night. Mike Scott somehow had five offensive rebounds. I don't even remember these happening. This might have been very much in garbage time after I fell asleep. But 
Um, the just the, the the way the Raptors and the way Valanciunas took it to Montrez Harrell, I thought was really impressive. And uh, Twitter guy uh, Beyond Bonesaw made a good point last night about how. You know the, the 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 times that Harold's really killed the Raptors in the past have been a, were, were a lot against Lucas Nogueira or Jakob Pertl just because he's so physically forceful and those guys maybe were kind of prone to being pushed around a little bit. Valanciunas just was not having it, and Valanciunas is so much bigger than Harold. Harold's only like what six foot seven, six foot eight on a good day, uh, and Valanciunas just was scoring over him. He had those little turnaround, you know, post up jumpers that you know have been kind of money for him this season. And Jonas picked up a tech early on in this game because he was. Uh, just mean mugging and, and, and talking shit at Montrez Harrell on the bench after he punked him for 16 points. Um, I think he had like 10 points in the first, you know, four or five minutes he was on the court. He, Jonas was really good and continued the thing where he just comes in, no matter how many minutes he's playing, he's putting up close to the number of minutes he's playing in points scored. He had 16 points in 18 minutes last night, 7 of 12 shooting, five boards, two steals. It was a really good game for Valanciunas. Um, and then OG Ananobi in this one was also fantastic. And, and I guess we'll talk to talk about Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry in a sec too. Um, you know, kind of leaving the, the lead, sparing the leads a little bit here. But I thought OG was really good as well. Uh, 21 points, or sorry, 21 minutes. He had 12 points, 5 of 9 shooting, 2 of 3 from deep, finally breaking out of that really long slump he's had from deep. Um, and his defense was excellent. He had the one play, the one steal. I'm not even sure if he got credit for this steal, but he just sort of just really boned up on the on the perimeter and just kind of ripped the ball away from, I want to say, Avery Bradley. And maybe ripping the ball away from Avery Bradley is not, like, the greatest, you know, accomplishment. Avery Bradley's been god-awful this season. Uh, 0 of 6 for him last night, 0 of 3 from deep, minus 28, 0 points. Like, just a disaster game from him. Um, actually, it might have been Tobias Harris where this, actu- where this one turnover came. Uh, but either way... I thought uh, Ananobi did a really good job defensively in the perimeter and just kind of looked a little bit more springy and a little bit more able to kind of fight through screens and stay in front of his man, uh, and that was noticeable last night for him. Just He looked a lot more sort of sprightly than he has in a long time. Uh, let's take a quick break in just a second here, and then we'll come back on the other side and talk about Larry and, and Ibaka. How about that? But first, I want to tell you about the Locked On Podcast Network's Twitter and uh, so, sorry, Twitter and Instagram feeds. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, social media feeds, they're very good. They're on the Twitter account, it's super easy. You just follow the one at Locked on NBA Net or at Locked on NFL Net. And all of the, the hosts from that those accounts, or all of the hosts from those networks are just going to be tweeted into your feed, retweeted all day. All of their basketball-related stuff is going to be retweeted by that account. And so if you don't want to go around and follow all of the hosts, I hope you follow me, but if you don't want to follow me and all the other hosts on the network, just follow at Locked on NBA Net, and you're going to get all of their basketball-related opinions and in-game reactions and breaking new stuff all in that feed. It's very, very useful. And then on Instagram, we're posting little snippets of podcasts that you can uh, log on and check out and if you want to go listen to the full podcast you can or if not you just get a little bit of a condensed take from whoever the host of the given show is of the big story of the day it's uh, very useful so make sure you're following the locked on nba net and locked on nfl net twitter and instagrams the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's talk about Kyle Lowry. He's back, baby. He was so damn good last night. 
and just uh, a refreshing sight to see. Obviously, the struggles had been very well documented, I believe, over the last five games going into last night's game. He was like 3 of 25 from deep, good for 12%, not very good. He was down to 32% from three on the season, which is very uncharacteristic for Kyle Lowry. And more so, the troubling thing is just that he wasn't being aggressive whatsoever and not looking for his own looks even a little bit, and as we've talked about at length on this podcast, like the reason Kyle Lowry became Kyle Lowry, the reason he's so good is he took it upon himself to become an amazing off-the-dribble three-point shooter, and that gravity that that creates and the respect that defenses have to pay to Kyle Lowry as a shooter opens up so much. The reason he was able to carve teams apart for so many assists at the start of the year and still does it now is because teams have to respect him and it just opens up so many lanes. And when he's off ball, it creates a ton of space because teams have to worry about Kyle as a catch-and-shoot shooter. He's just, his shooting is so important. And when he's just actively, you know, I think this kind of started in the Warriors game. There was a, he had a bit of a struggle throughout that game. And at the end of the game, there was a wide open three that he looked off and, you know, he easily could have had it. It ended up being like, I think, a long two attempt for Ibaka, if I'm not mistaken. And it's usually what these things end up turning into. Um, but just the, the 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 hesitancy showed there was very uncharacteristic. And then obviously he hit the three later in that game from the quarter and everything seemed fine. And then he goes on this run where he just can't hit a damn thing. And it was noticeable that he just wasn't looking for his looks because I think Vivek made this point on Sunday's podcast. Like he's so smart that he realizes that when he's in a slump, three-pointers from him are not the best look because they're probably not going in. But at the same time, like, it's sort of a thing where it's sort of a short-term giveaway where it's a short-term trade-off, right? If you're going to have him take those threes even though they're not looking good, like, yeah, maybe you lose one game or two games here and there just because you can't hit anything. But eventually, your hope is that he shoots himself out of the slump the way he has in the past. And last night, it seemed like he began to shoot himself out of the slump. 8 of 13 from the field. Four of eight from deep, uh, really nice to see. Also, the five attempts from inside the three-point line, also very nice. I think he'd only had one attempt over the last five games, or maybe none from inside the arc, and that's another part of his game too, right, is the threat. Like He's always been good scoring in traffic over bigger guys. He indoctrinated Shea Gilgis-Alexander last night with a little uh, you know, rumpy-tump-tump with, with his ass getting up and, and pushing uh, Gilgis-Alexander out of the way with that booty and scoring. You know, it's just uh, that kind of stuff. Kyle being an offensive weapon is so important to the team. It's great when he's a playmaker, man. It's awesome. I love it. It's so good. And it really helps guys like Serge Ibaka have nights like he had. And it helps Pascal Siakam really sort of spread his wings. But, man... Lowry, when he's the secondary op- offensive option, just because he's so efficient, such a good shooter, and lingers around 60-plus true shooting, like you just want that dude being your second offensive option if you can. And for him to finally take it upon himself to be like, okay, I'm going to take some shots. He took the second most shots on the team last night. That's a really nice sight to see. Uh, I thought Kyle kind of found what makes Kyle good last night. And I think the pushing the pace thing really helped. Maybe it is just a thing where he's still kind of trying to find some comfort with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, they've been very good playing with Kyle and Kawhi. The lineups with him are still just like eviscerating teams. But, you know, there's a noticeable change in how those lineups play when it's Kyle and whoever else, you know, Fred Van Vliet with the rest of the starters or when Kawhi's in there. You know, it becomes a little bit more sticky. Actually, so far this year, the third most used lineup for the Raptors is their starters with Fred Van Vliet in place of Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, it's 50 minutes is not a terribly big sample, but it's still sort of becoming something useful. And they're a plus 36.8 net rating with a 75 assist percentage. That is not nothing. 
Whereas the starters with Kawhi Leonard are, again, still very good, a plus 11.1 net rating, but a 59.7 assist assist percentage. And the same goes for when Valanciunas is in for for Ibaka at center. It's a 58.4 assist percentage and a 21.4 net rating. So all those lineups are just kicking the piss out of teams. That's no problem. But it's a very different style of play. The assist to turnover ratio, all this stuff, it just jacks up when Kyle is kind of the lead guy playing with Van Vliet, Ibaka, Green, Siakam, or whoever else you want to throw in there, it's kind of the similar effect that you get with Lowry in the bench unit, right? When Lowry's sort of spearheading the, the, the cause, it just, it's a lot more sort of pingy, I guess would be the word for it. It's just quicker. He pushes the pace. Kawhi doesn't really push the pace, right? And this isn't a bad thing. This is not a criticism of Kawhi. I'm, I'm very cool with how Kawhi plays when he's in there, but there is a very noticeable difference. And maybe that's where Lowry sort of thrives. So maybe that's a way going forward. I know the plan for most of the season, or at least what has seemed to be the plan, is to try to get Kyle and Kawhi playing together as much as they can, just because you want to build that chemistry between your two best players. Um, but maybe if you want to sort of maximize your in-game rotations, maybe Kyle with the bench or Kawhi with the bench is the way to go. And obviously they've been sort of limited in that because they're, they've been playing this all-bench unit for the most part. Um, I think as the numbers get a little bit more unfavorable on that, those lineups, then maybe we should start to see a little bit of Kyle and Kawhi playing with bench units and maybe starting, maybe we see CJ Miles' role diminished a little bit. He's just not been good enough. And I think you can kind of justify having him not be part of the rotation right now, given how he's played and given how it just seems so much better when it's Kyle and Kawhi playing with sort of guys who know the hierarchy is very known and obvious. Whereas I still think it's pretty known that Kawhi is the number one guy when Kyle's out there, but maybe it's just not quite to Kyle's strengths. And again, I still think those lineups are good together. It's not a problem. They're going to be closing a lot of games but if you're looking to for ways to sort of maximize those little pockets in games where the Raptors have struggled so far maybe getting Kyle playing with guys who kind of fit around what he does as sort of the central force of the offense is a, is a way to go so that's uh that's that for Kyle he was really good last night not too worried about him and if you were worried about him you were uh, I think a little bit too premature on that one uh also let's uh, talk about Serge Ibaka so far in uh, two games at Staples Center this year 59 points on some ungodly percentage from the field. I think he's like 26 of 30, the math, 26 of 35 from the field over two games in Staples Center this year. Uh, 25 points, nine boards, two steals, sorry, two assists, and three blocks last night for Ibaka. His defense has been so, so good. I think his block numbers are still down a little bit as like sort of a block percentage type thing, but just the, the he's being a real deterrent. He had a great chase down block on Tobias Harris last night. That was fantastic. And... Yeah, maybe you don't want Ibaka leading the team in shots every night because he's just inherently less efficient than Lowry or even Siakam or obviously Kawhi Leonard. You don't want that, but when teams are going to just like give him those shots, he's literally shooting better on long mid-range shots from like 14 to to the three-point line, uh, 14 feet to the three-point line. He's shooting better on those than he is on layups slash dunks. That's how good he's been from from those areas. So like, if teams are going to give him those shots, like, just take him, dude. Why the hell not if you can make it at that clip? I mean, his shot chart is absurd right now. It's like the anti-Mori ball, but it's fantastic. I love it. It's great. And it's a nice little market inefficiency that they're taking advantage of, right? And this is a thing that I think is kind of interesting. The Raptors have some really good mid-range shooters. Like, Lowry's a good mid-range shooter. Ibaka's one of the best big man mid-range shooters there is. Even Jonas, like, I think can be. He doesn't really take mid-range shots at all. He's kind of... Uh, very much a Mori player at this point. He'll take his weird threes and it kind of does his stuff around the rim on the dive. Um, but like, and then Leonard obviously is one of the best mid-range shooters there is. So like having a Baca, Leonard, and Lowry in 
particular take a lot of mid-range shots, I think is kind of a good idea because they're really good at it. And if you can hit those at a north of 50%, which I think both Kawhi and Abaka are doing so far this year, and, and Lowry has the ability to do with that little turnaround he has on the left side in particular, like, why not take advantage? If that's going to be the shot they're giving you, be the best at the shot that, that defenses are giving you, and that is going to give you an advantage over the course of a game efficiency-wise, because they're going to have to change up their coverage, and then maybe those long twos start becoming open threes, and as we've seen the last couple games, the Raptors are very capable of hitting their open threes as well. They were 14-29 last night. DeLon Wright had a little stretch where he had two threes in a row in the third quarter. That third quarter was one of the most fun quarters I've seen the Raptors play all season long. A 33-17 quarter for them. That was just a delight. Everyone looked to be just so in tune. Very much like the first quarter, just kind of like a supercharged version of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the if you're if to get back to my point, if teams are gonna be giving a buck of that shot in the mid-range, just just take it, dude. Well, readjust and sort of figure out ways to maybe avoid having that funneling action happen when you get to the playoffs and you'd rather have the ball in Kawhi and Kyle's hands in, in sort of most situations but like if teams are going to give Ibaka those looks and he's still going to make them ride it out while you can I'm sure it'll, it'll regress at some point but maybe it won't maybe he'll just keep doing this and you know keep taking these open 16 footers and knocking them down and there you go easy two points just because teams are, are so just like scared of the other guys and willing to sort of live with that if the one shot you're living with, if the shot that teams are living with is the Serge Ibaka 16-footer, you're doing something right. Because there's a lot of teams where the shot they're going to live with is, you know, the non-shooter on the team taking the corner three, which is probably a less efficient shot if a shooter is not very good than what Ibaka is doing right now from that shot, from, from that mid-range shot area. So... Anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens with Ibaka's shot distribution as the season goes on, and maybe as the Raptors try to adjust to avoid having that become such a staple of their offense, but for now, why the hell not ride it out? All right, we're going to wrap this thing up with a quick Kawhi Leonard appreciation minute on the other side and some talk on jerseys, uh, but first, a quick break. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, now let's wrap this thing up with a Kawhi Leonard Appreciation Minute. Once again, if you've never listened to the podcast before, never heard one of these, uh, this is the thing I'm trying to do. Because guess what? Kawhi Leonard, you know, elephant in the room, might not be with the Raptors beyond this season. And it's nice to appreciate the things that he does while he's with the Raptors while we can and try to make the best of this season. And hopefully it lasts beyond this year and all of this was for naught. But, you know, it can't hurt to appreciate the good things in the moment. So uh, Kawhi Leonard last yesterday, of course, didn't play, but he did talk to the media and boy, was he asked some uh, lame-ass questions by the media in L.A. Um, come on, Kawhi. The, the Toronto media will never ask you dumb questions like these. I just want to play a couple of these clips back. They're very funny. Uh, someone asked him about, first, uh, the weather and adjustment to playing in Canada and the weather. And also, we'll get to another one about Christmas in just a second. How you acclimated to the weather change? It's only pretty hot sitting where it's, it's cold. It's been a good adjustment. Hell yeah, Kawhi. If that was unclear, 
Someone asked him about the uh, playing in the cold and how he's adjusting, and he basically said, uh, wear a jacket, we're playing inside anyway, it's not a big deal. Uh, shouts to Kawhi, and shouts to his uh, his devil-may-care attitude towards the winter weather. I know some people are real curmudgeons about the cold. Guess what? You can wear a jacket. You can always get warmer. You cannot always get hotter. Cold weather is better than hot weather, and I'm glad Kawhi definitely agrees with me on this. And uh, so that's another thing we're putting on the corkboard to suggest that Kawhi Leonard's coming back and staying in Toronto after this year. He is not phased by the cold. That is great. Also, he doesn't like Christmas, which, okay, I, as you've heard on this podcast, I'm sure quite a bit, I love Christmas. It's really nice. I like to make it prolonged and nice and happy because why the hell not? Things are bad and terrible and it can't hurt to like make a little more, spread a little cheer, be a little festive for a little longer stretch of the year because everything else is bad. So, uh, Kawhi Leonard maybe doesn't feel like this, maybe does not agree or share my sense of seasonal cheer. Or maybe he does and just didn't want to talk about before a basketball game uh, because he means business even though he wasn't playing. So here's the question from another reporter, uh, and I love his response as well. So Merry Christmas. Um, uh, can you talk about your favorite Christmas moment? Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll never get old. It's very good stuff. Not right now. What a weird question to ask. I know it's like a, you want to try to get like the, the fun, lighthearted question in there, but just a weird-ass question to ask before a game. I've never really bought into like going in the locker room before games anyway. Like You have access, just a little behind the curtain at games. You do have access before games to go to the locker room and talk to players. I just I can't imagine players are even remotely interested in talking to you before a game. And I so I like to like kind of respect that space a little bit. Um, so I, the, just for these questions, as someone who already doesn't like doing the pregame stuff with players before the locker room, maybe this is why I'm a bad reporter and don't get any scoops or anything like that. But I uh, it's just a hilarious pregame question, and I'm uh, glad Kawhi answered it with with such Grinchy cheer. Uh, anyway, that's it for the Kawhi Leonard appreciation minute. I like how he's very straightforward, and uh, he's almost like refined OG with his answers. It's uh, it's lovely to see them both answer the questions very, very matter-of-factly, or not at all in the case of this Christmas question. Um, last one thing before we wrap up here. There's a new jersey out. The Raptors have a new city jersey. It's not city. It's the earned jersey, whatever the hell. The dumb name for it. The just like overly contrived artsy names for these jerseys. It's a red jersey. Who cares? Um, but they have uh, redone the North jersey that they have right now, the white gold OVO styling that is worse than the one they had last year. This red one, I think, is kind of in between. I'm not really sure where I'm sitting on it, but you can. F- I'm sure the picture's up everywhere. But yeah, th- it's fine. Like Nike, I know they weren't really kind of going outside the box for these second city jerseys, the earned jerseys. They were just kind of doing a different color, and that's fine. You know, whatever. More sell more shit, I suppose. But uh, I wish they would just have purple. Like, come on, you, uh, Lauren Miles, the hero, Lauren Miles today tweeted about how the Raptors have like one of the best jerseys of all time, and they have yet to sort of acknowledge it, and they won't friggin' bring back the purple. Uh, I believe she's probably talking about the Raptor jersey from back in the early days of the franchise with the cartoon Raptor. I disagree. I don't think that jersey is the best jersey of all time, but I do believe the Raptors have had the best jersey of all time, and that is the black front or the purple front black back jersey that Vince Carter wore in the dunk contest. That jersey is divine. It is perfect. It is different. No team has ever done a different colorway on the front and back of a jersey. It's delightful. It worked really well with the shorts. Love it so much, and I want something along those lines back. And they did not do that with the city jersey, the earned jersey. I'm, I do. It feel weird calling it the earned jersey. It feels super lame. Anyway, uh, I, I'm ready for next year. 
the 25th anniversary of the team. Hopefully they have some sort of wild outside the box, but good looking jersey ideas for this one. Um, I think we'll see. It's been a little while since like a Raptors rebrand. It feels like teams rebrand every few years at this point. And like, I think the Raptors jerseys right now are incredible. I wouldn't be shocked if we just get a whole new slate of jerseys next year, which I'll be a little disappointed in because I do think the black, white, and red ones are perfect right now. But uh, as far as the city jerseys go or the earned jerseys, whatever you're calling them, I do think there's uh, some room to experiment there and have some nice 25th anniversary touches there. So hopefully we see that. That'd be cool. Um, Hopefully they're not the... The other thing too, I'm just sick of the North thing. I get it. They want to support this North thing, that it's Canada's team. And if you want to have one jersey that says North, fine. But if you're going to have that, also have a jersey, please, that says Toronto on it. The Raptors don't have a single jersey that says Toronto on it. I know I've made this dumb complaint before on the podcast, but, like, come on. It's Toronto's team. It, it's, Toronto's a good word. There's O's in there. The O in the middle kind of works as a bit of like a fulcrum upon which the rest of the word can be balanced, whether it's in the v- middle of the chevron in the North Jersey or just as sort of the, the middle of the word when you spell it on, on the letter mark on your jersey. Like, I just think it's that the three O's work well. You can be playful with them. And I there's just not enough Toronto on these jerseys. And I like, I, I like Raptors. That's great. That's cool. Raptors is kind of a weird jersey when you have sort of the kerning that goes on where it's it's sort of on the angle, obviously, because the A and P, because the A is kind of diagonal, it just leaves a lot of space between the R, the A, and the P. It kind of looks a little awkward on jersey. Uh, that's like I have one complaint. It's just kind of how it looks when they when they adjust and they sort of kern it onto it. But I uh, am very much down for uh, Toronto to be on the jersey at some point or one of these jerseys. It's just, it's too good of a word, too good of a name, too sort of part of what this team is, right? Like it's I know it's supposed to be Canada's team, but it's also Toronto's team, and Toronto is sort of the hub of basketball in Canada. There's no reason you shouldn't have it on there. So uh, hopefully we see that at some point soon because uh, it's dumb that they don't have it right now. I'll I'll say that now. It's very dumb. Anyway. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies for my raspy-ass voice. I've been doing morning radio all week while not having my voice entirely intact. So apologies if it was was weird. Um, But I appreciate you listening. And we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. It is already Wednesday. Goddamn. We're almost through the week at this point. I'll talk to you on Thursday. At some point, we're going to recap the Warriors game with guest TBD. And uh, that'll be fun. We will talk to you then on Locked on Raptors. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes, of course. All the places that you uh, get your podcasts, if you use one or more of them, do it on all of them. That's uh, very, very nice of you. And it helps us, again, with the rankings and becoming more visible uh, and uh, collecting more listeners, which is a very good thing. You fi- Find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can subscribe, rate, review. I wrote a thing for Raptors HQ over the weekend about the Brooklyn Nets not mattering. It was kind of mean towards the Nets, but also the Nets are garbage, and I hate the way they play and I hate how people like praise them for being this garbagey talentless team that just plays really hard because if they didn't they would be the Bulls um so I uh yeah read that if you want to if you want to hear some net slander fuck Brooklyn forever uh and uh yeah that's it for the, today's podcast thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you next time on Lockdown Raptors hey Prime members you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad free on Amazon Music Download the Amazon Music app today.